We're spinning out of control, here we go Foot to the pedal, till it's touching the metal Let's rock and roll, yeah So let anything get them tigers to screech and I beat them Check the flags, last lap, nobody can beat them It's just that it's a party, put it on in a couple And hear us talk a lot of NASCAR in the audio Singing loud, we don't just want it out of mode We're getting dirty around here, yeah We're in the marbles We're in the marbles Uh, We're in the marbles In the marbles So before we even get started on this, I have got to give a big shout out to Big Underscore Bang for that really, really awesome intro music. Fantastic intro. I'm, I'm not going to lie. It's going to sound hokey, but the first time I heard that and the uh, the tire started screeching, I got chills from mm. it. It's, it's, Goosebumps. As silly as that sounds. I don't know if he did it in one take. He didn't bestow on me that information, but he is known to do stuff in one take. I hope he did that in one take because that is just phenomenal one take bane baby yep. while we're doing that he was gracious enough to uh do that music for us and mm. i want to shout out his um beer company it's outsiders beer co i use the products i think you use the products too right absolutely i live by it yeah i i put some on just about every day and i have like four or five different scents right now i'm probably about to pick up some of the summer stuff i have a little sticker on my car and i promote that around town anywhere i go I was, it was in dallas couple weeks ago with wrestlemania so a big shout out to bane and uh their podcast breaker and bane's power hour he actually mentions us uh mentioned us on the show did you catch that i did i also heard that uh mr brian breaker uh gave put us over on you know it's fake right and then uh again bane and breaker both on breaker Bane's power hour so I, shout out to them for shout outing us yeah we really appreciate it um i don't <laughs> i don't quite go with bane's theory that he's the reason why this podcast is going but you know it, it is what it is i mean yeah i'm he's a great guy right i mean <laughs> he's just uh he's just a little lost you know when, when it comes to that situation <laughs> i will give him credit on the, the tag team yes that for sure that was awesome i'm glad that we are a tag team in that phpw wrestling tag champs right now during the high yes, reigning defending undisputed tag champs of phpw no talking about the um the name of the the podcast so we mm-hmm. had it narrowed down to about two or three um i think one was leading the draft Mm-hmm. With soda and Ethan or uh, in the marbles with soda and Ethan. And I actually texted um, a lot of our podcasting teammates, you know, Jeff Toon, Scott Toon, Celeste, Breaker and Bane, Drew Vinsel, I believe, just a whole bunch of every, uh, just a whole bunch of people. And they all said leading the draft was a really great name. And that told me that I, with that, we should definitely 100% go with in the marbles because <laughs> this is a podcast that, like, we, you know, if you s- stumbled across us and you see the name in uh, leading the draft, it kind of just tells you what the podcast is about. And that's what we were going for. But we wanted a title a little bit more complex. So, you know, yeah. racing fans would stumble across us and they would be like, oh, well, I know what the marbles is, where yeah, a lot exactly. of our podcasting teammates might not or people that might be tuning in. If you know, you know. And if you don't know, you're curious. 
because you're like, what the heck is in the marbles? That doesn't exactly. make any sense to me, but there's a picture of a race car next to it. What is yeah. this? So now you're curious and you go into it and we're about, I'm about to tell you right now what in the marbles means marbles on the, it was actually mentioned on the dirt track. This, I almost pulled the audio from it. Clint Boyer yeah. actually said marbles on the dirt track this weekend he did. at Bristol, mm -hmm. not quite the same thing on dirt. That's more of a cushion, but on asphalt in the marbles is uh, when you get out of the groove, just a little high, the cars go around the track so, so fast and so hard that it puts so much wear and wear and uh, strain on the tires. The tires wear out. Well, when the tires wear out, where's the rubber go? It flings off to the wall on as far as the outside as it can go. And it gets stopped by the wall. And what that it results in is a bunch of little tiny balls of rubber all the way around the outside of the racetrack, just outside of where the race cars are running. And when you hit that, it's like racing on marbles. Hence, in the marbles, it's on the edge now, of control, yeah. out of control, pushing it to the limit. That's exactly what we're trying to do. Absolutely. And now the mystery is over. Yep. Everybody knows what in the marbles means. Yep. So hopefully, uh, if anybody needs to know, they'll just check out episode one because this is episode one episode of in the, Mar in the marbles. And if you hear anything in the background, I'm sorry. That's my dog, Mac. He's uh, He's got to be playful under my feet this morning. That's just how it is, I guess. We love Mac. So we love <laughs> we're going to get started right off the bat with um, talking about dirt tracks in general, because this past weekend was Bristol. Bristol is not normally a dirt track, but one time a year right now. I don't know if they're going to do it next year or not. They never they haven't mentioned anything yet. But one time a year, they decide they're going to cover it in like four or five layers of dirt, different types of dirt. And they're going to uh, run all sorts of races on it, not just NASCAR. They ran Hornets, which are front-wheel drive, four-cylinder cars. They ran mm -hmm. street stocks. They ran late models. They ran modifieds. And they had that for two weeks before they yeah. even did anything with Cup and Truck Series. Ethan, what is your experience with... Um, any type of dirt racing or local dirt racing. So actually I just went to my local dirt track this past Friday. Uh, my sister was down from Minneapolis and um, it's always a good time to go out there. And uh, I have some friends and family that do some local dirt track racing and stuff. So it was pretty much what I was brought up on. Um, didn't go to my first NASCAR event until 2005. But mm -hmm. I was definitely at dirt, you know, the local dirt track here in Kansas, uh, way sooner than that. I was even from a little kid. And I remember going back into the pits and stuff and just seeing the cars up close and personal. Oh, man, it's uh, it's like no other experience. It, track. Yeah. It. When I was a kid. Now, Grant, what year were you born? 94. 94. So um, I was born in 83 when. I was a kid, the first, my first memory and my, my grandparents, uh, my parents to this day to swear, there's no way I can remember this, but I distinctly remember, I, I think I was one year old. I remember a uh, dirt track in Mississippi mm -hmm. that we went to. My grandparents took me to when I was uh, one year old and they had said something like I carried on a, a conversation in Italian with this Italian lady and she just went off. I like, I have, I have no idea about that. I was talking baby talk and she was talking Italian back to me and my grandparents were like, I don't know what y'all were talking about. Y'all were talking about something. I distinctly remember going to a racetrack in Mississippi and where it was located because I remember 
the surroundings of everything. And I remember certain cars on the track and my grandparents would just, it flipped them out. I was like, how do you remember that? How, how you were one? It's like, that's it. That's my first memory though. That's the earliest thing I remember. And ever since then, so I guess that was a uh, mid eighties had to be 84, 85. Ever since then, I've been going to dirt track races. We went to a bunch of them in 92, 93. When I was eight, nine years old, we uh, just kept going. We have like four or five different dirt tracks within an hour and a half radius each direction of where I live. And then when I got able to where I could buy a car and race, I could do it. So I did that. I um, bought a front wheel drive car and I actually raced dirt for about four or five years. And I'll... Be, I'll be explaining all about that and in the episodes to come, you know, because there's so much to talk about. I could do like 10 episodes just on that alone because right. there's so much there. That's my experience with it. I actually just went to a dirt track. I haven't raced in about uh, 15 years or so. doesn't seem like that long ago. Uh, I actually just went to a dirt track a couple weeks ago as well. A little small quarter mile uh, just down the road called Tri-County. I've never heard of it. <laughs> no, you, you, you never hear of any dirt track except for the big right. ones. Like Knoxville or Lucas Oil Speedway. Um, Eldora. Eldora. You hear some of the big ones like that, but you don't ever hear about the most random. No, that's an asphalt. Slinger's an asphalt track, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know why I thought Slinger was dirt. I think I had it on a video game once and it was dirt. I guess SRX I raced there, right? Yes, they did. Yeah. They'll be coming to Pensacola. Florida? Yeah, they'll be coming to Five Flag Speedway in Pensacola, Florida. Right down the road from me. I'm going. I was going to say, how far away is that? 45 minutes. Oh, wow. Okay. I'm going. I got my tickets and everything. I'm going to be at the first SRX race this year. Isn't that, isn't that exciting? That's fun. That's Dude, that's so exciting. But I see your SRX, and I'm going to raise you one. <laughs> May 5th, or no, no, May 15th, I will be at the Kansas Speedway for the Cup Series race. That's cool. The next weekend is the all-star race in Texas Motor Speedway. And I bought, I officially have my all-star tickets. So I'm gonna, uh, actually I thought my girlfriend was gonna go with me, but she had um, other things she had to do. So I'm actually gonna take the trip by myself. And instead of buying her a ticket, I actually bought myself a, um, what is it? Not like a hot pass, but- uh, Oh yeah, like a garage pass kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. type thing. And so I'll be, walking on texas motor speedway into mm -hmm. the infield while uh for a blake shelton concert <laughs> which blake shelton is my favorite country artist from kansas that's, i have that, to have one so. that's always fun they they do such good jobs on the uh the infield right there on the front straightaway mm -hmm. some of these concerts before the race starts i remember have, have you ever walked on well i know you have, haven't you? You like walked on a NASCAR race? Yeah. Track? I mean, I was just at Atlanta this past week for Monster Oh, Jam. that's right. Yeah, yeah. You showed me that. I'll tell you what. Um, back in October, I went to the cup race for Kansas Speedway and I got to walk on the racetrack. And it is way more, mm -hmm. like way bigger than what you're, you know, you expect. Like the apron on the front straightaway was as big as probably a four lane highway. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I, you just, I mean, from up in the grandstands from TV, like it doesn't look that big, but it's, it's massive. Probably at Kansas, it wasn't that big of a transition either, was it? Cause they run all the way to the grass at Kansas, don't they? It's actually, um, yeah, they do sometimes. Um, it's actually a massive difference. <laughs> um, that, they just, uh, they just grit it and go for it, huh? Yeah. Oh my goodness. The front straightaway is just unreal. <laughs> Not a game of one-ups, one-upsmanship, but uh, I have done the Talladega thing before. 
you know, that's my home track. I mean, it's yeah. home track. It's four and a half hours away, right? Four hours on a good trip. And For sure. What's that Jeff Foxworthy joke? You might be a redneck if you know the back way to Talladega. Well, guess what? Mm. Um, <laughs> I do. I don't have to hit any interstates to get to Talladega. I can go all highway. You know the back ways <laughs> I to do. Talladega. You know the back way to Atlanta. I do. My goodness. I might need GPS for Atlanta. I've only been there once. But Talladega, I do not need GPS for. I can take the back way straight through there. You got to go through Silicaga and keep going. You know, I swear. Yeah. Anyway. I, I'm so mad that I lived in Marietta, Georgia, and I never went to Atlanta Motor Speedway. It's it something. Me mad. It's something. Um, they just, you know, they just reconfigured it. Mm-hmm. And it looks, I mean, first off, the only NASCAR races I've ever been to have been Daytona and Talladega. Oh, and so incredible. <laughs> Well, Daytona, I guess you can count that. It was a 20-lap thing. Then it got rained out, and we couldn't stay. So we saw 20 laps at Daytona. We got all the pre-race stuff and the president riding around the racetrack and uh, Air Force One flying over us, which is incredible. My gosh, Air Force One is huge, and it was flying so low. All the pre-race stuff, signing the uh, the start-finish line outside the track because we didn't have pit passes or anything. So, but we signed it outside the track because it extends beyond out to the road. Oh. And, um, you know, just fun, fun stuff all morning long. And then it rained and didn't stop raining. Oh. We were soaked by the time we got back to the car and we couldn't stay. Yeah. But Daytona even looked small compared to Talladega, which is hard to believe. But I could see the back straightaway at Daytona from the front straightaway grandstands. You can't mm-hmm. see the back straightaway at Talladega from the front front stretch grandstands. You can't do it. It's oh. It's too flat. There's campers in the middle. You just can't do it unless you're probably in the tower. But I don't like you in the tower because there's no shade up there. I'm so used to Talladega. I went to Atlanta and we sat in the stands and you could sit there and watch the entire racetrack. Yeah. It's I mean, like you've been to Kansas. You know how experience. Oh, yeah. For sure. I don't know that experience. Not at NASCAR. Mm-hmm. NASCAR. We'll talk about that in the Talladega thing a little bit more um, about what's coming up. But real quick with Talladega, it's like 50 seconds a lap Mm -hmm. and they all come together in like a three second pack. So Mm -hmm. it's like this ball of energy that's just moving around the racetrack and you're in the stands, right? And say they, they, they get started, they come at you, they're at pace car speed and then they take off and you hear them accelerating and you watch them leave. And then they go up into turn one and two and they're on the banking. And you hear them off in the distance, just a little roar. You can't really hear anything. All you hear mm-hmm. is the announcers from MRN talking about it. And you see them on the TV screens, too, if you want a closer look at them. Then they disappear on the back straightaway. And you'll know if they wreck because you'll see a bunch of smoke. Maybe see yeah. one fly over the, the things, who knows, over the campers. But then they hit the banking in turn three, and they're three wide and four wide. Oh, gosh. <laughs> and you hear the energy coming. Like you feel it, and you hear the energy coming. Because all of a sudden the roar gets louder and louder mm-hmm. and louder. And it, they come into turn four. And then here they come at you off of turn four. And it's a wall of sound. Yeah. A wall oh of gosh. sound, a wall of energy. <laughs> and then yeah. it's gone. And you see them go away from you. And the energy goes back down. The sound goes back down. You can hear it off in the distance. And then they hit the turn again. And it just repeats itself 188 times. It's incredible. Yeah. You it's you have to uh, experience that to to really understand what I'm talking about. It's incredible. I I definitely want to go to Talladega, um, and we'll kind of get into it uh, with the preview. 
But I think Daytona 500 is something that I want to go to before, you know, obviously mm-hmm. I die or whatever. Um, but really fast before we we move on, for me, going to Talladega is a no-brainer. I would love to if I if the opportunity ever presented itself. But for the, you know, somebody who's not into NASCAR or racing that is listening to us, what is the selling point of going to Talladega if you only see the cars for that three to five seconds to me the appeal to watching a uh, race at Talladega it's the actual racing itself it's three wide four wide all the way around the racetrack you're inches away from everybody there's all these moves that you got to make like it's like chess 195 mile an hour chess right on the edge of control every time you do something you're Mm -hmm. just one bad stupid move away from taking out the entire field you know it's Right, what people yeah. call the big one. I know a lot of people, unfortunately, people do watch the races for the wrecks. And I think that's yeah. the big appeal to things like Daytona and Talladega mm-hmm. and probably soon to, to soon to be Atlanta. Right. Oh, yeah. But it is something unique about how they race at these tracks mm-hmm. when it isn't forced. You know, when it's not a product of uh, manufacturing that style of racing and the pack yeah. racing is what I'm talking about. But it, it is something really unique about how they race. And it's just unique to NASCAR. Nobody else races this way. There's oh, no. no pack racing in Formula One. IndyCar kind of had that a little bit. But even that, it's so different because the draft is so much stronger. And they have right. push the pass buttons. And, and there's all sorts of weird stuff in IndyCar. Yeah. Pack racing was something that pretty much came from NASCAR and is a NASCAR trademark kind of thing in a way. Not to mention, though, if you're just there as a casual fan, the parties around Talladega are out of this world. The camping, the campsites, the infield camping, there's outside the track camping, family-friendly and not-so-family-friendly, Mardi Gras-style camping. There's just all sorts of stuff going on. I love it. That's always been my favorite one to go to, but it's always been pretty much the only one I ever did go to. Yeah, I'm always down for a party. Especially yeah, man, they talk about it all the time. It's called the big one on the <laughs> boulevard. It's infield. Yeah. In, in, the infield has a big, uh, long road right through the middle of it. Mm-hmm. And that's it. It's, it's a, they call it the big one, of course. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the big party. Let's go into Bristol. Oh, What happened this past weekend. Yes. So this is a good week for both of us in a way. The yeah. Star Podcast. I'll talk about why it's a good week for me later. It's a good week for you. Your guy was. Yeah. So um, this is going to be kind of, you know, I, I'm going to try really hard not to be biased. Oh, but, whatever. Be a fan. Oh, man. I'll tell you what, man. Kyle Bush. I'm not. Now, I don't want to get it mistaken. I am not a Kyle Bush fan. Uh-huh. I am the <laughs> Kyle Bush fan. I have been down with Kyle Busch since 2004. And the whole reason I became a Kyle Busch fan was because I was super young and I was watching a truck series race, uh, probably fourth grade. And I was watching the pre-race and started hearing about this kid uh, who got, uh, who couldn't race because he wasn't old enough. Now, when I was that age, I I could not pronounce my R's. So it was Waste Car or Dale (laughs) Ornhot, Jeff Gold. So even my sister's name is Rachel, and I would say Rachel. You know, they were talking about this kid who pretty much got disqualified because he wasn't old enough. Because the race that the sponsor of the race they were racing 
was a tobacco-sponsored race. So obviously Kyle Busch wasn't uh, old enough to participate in that race. And I remember them talking about Kyle Busch. And I said, wait a minute, I'm young, he's young, Kyle Busch, I can say that, and we both probably have middle names. So I was like, man, we have a lot in common. So I was like, <laughs> that's my guy. And I have stuck with Kyle Busch through thick and thin, <laughs> through the good times, the ugly times, the bad times, Rowdy Nation, all the way. So this was a fantastic week for me. You know, I thought the race in general was actually really good. The only things that I'm hearing negative about the race is from people that, that just didn't want it to be there to begin with. Right. You know, you have like a, a big group that just don't think that dirt needs to be in NASCAR. They just, right. and <clears throat> Kyle Busch is one of them, which oh, is funny. Right. It's <laughs> funny that he wound up winning it. He had the line of the night though, at the mm -hmm. end of it. He said, man, I feel like Dale Earnhardt senior. I didn't even do anything. All I did was win. Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah. I loved it. That was the best line of the night. I laughed. Crazy finish. Kyle Busch. I'm going to bust on you a little bit here. Mm -hmm. He backed into one. <laughs> he, that's exactly what he said. Um, he was doing an Instagram live or something. I don't know if it was an interview or an Instagram live. And he says, well, backed into that one. <laughs> it's, yes, we did. Well, it's, it's funny because the guy, he was just calling out Bowman for that mm -hmm. being the only way he can win, which yeah. I mean, isn't completely untrue. Yeah. He's, I mean, he's one of those guys that takes advantages of um, pit position at the end or something like that. Something always happens where he's like, Oh, look, I'm here at the end. I'm at the upfront right here at the end. I'm going to win. And he wins. Exactly. You know? And funny that the main person calling him out ends up winning the same way. Yeah. But he, he's won that way before. I remember a, a clash that he won like that. Mm -hmm. Wasn't it uh, the Daytona road course clash? He wanted to win it like that. Yes, last year, 2021, uh, he was third coming into the last turn it was, I believe. Uh, wasn't it? It was It was Chase Elliott. Yeah, and Ryan Blaney, I think. Ryan Blaney, yeah. yeah. And uh, Kyle just zoom zoomed right past him, and we celebrated <laughs> a victory, baby. Yes, sir. We'll take him with however we can get him. And I'm going to kind of touch on it. I love to stir the pot with Facebook. Um, I have a lot of Facebook friends who are not Kyle Busch fans. Well, so, uh, in fairness, there's a lot of NASCAR fans in general <laughs> that are not Kyle Busch fans. You're not wrong. Um, we're not going to win most popular driver anytime <laughs> soon. Um, but a lot of people were bashing on Kyle Busch for uh, talking bad about NASCAR being on dirt, saying that mm -hmm. uh, NASCAR, you know, going to dirt <clears throat> racing for the Cup Series is taking the sport backwards. Um, I totally disagree with that too. But I, I mean, as you the can president of you Kyle can, Busch's fan club, you I can disagree. <laughs> no, you can disagree and still be a fan of the guy. Um, so I, Richard Petty apparently said that, and I'm a huge mm -hmm. Petty fan. Yeah, so. so I'm not, I, I think I disagree with that, but I'll get into that in a second. Kyle said, you know, it's taking the sport backwards and then he goes out and wins it. So everyone's calling him like a hypocrite. Well, <laughs> here's the deal. How many times have, you know, the listeners I'm talking to, um, how many times have you been at work and there's a new policy change? It happens to me in my line of business all the time. So we have to adapt, you know, our everyday routine to something that we're not comfortable with or something that we're not, um, uh, prepared for. So yeah. it's uh, obviously going to cause a little bit of frustration, 
But what are you going to do? You're going to obviously do it because you need a paycheck. I need a paycheck. Uh, that's for sure. So Kyle Bush was just, you know, saying, yeah, this is kind of, you know, in my opinion, taking the sport backwards. But he still has a job to do. He's still going to go out there and try his best to win, which, I mean, clearly he did, and he is the best of all time. But, I mean, that's beside the point. Hey, he um, has a yeah. record now that's tied with the, one of the best of all time. Did Absolutely. you see his record? Yes, 18 straight consecutive uh, seasons of winning mm -hmm. a NASCAR Cup Series. Ties uh, Richard Petty. Richard freaking Petty. If you're if you're let me okay I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna shoot on this one. <laughs> let me <laughs> if you're gonna sit here and tell me that Kyle Busch does not belong in the conversation of one of the greatest of all times, minus you know I know he's minus five championships to catch up with championships. I'm talking total career wins, milestones. Kyle Busch in this generation is beyond his years. Yeah, he's um he's turning into this uh it's okay, this is going to be sacrilege to some people. <laughs> he's turning into this generation's Earnhardt. Ooh. And like and let me uh explain what I'm talking about with that. What he's doing is um winning a lot, be not very popular mm -hmm. a lot. Earnhardt became popular right at the end. Right. He was not popular when he was uh in his heyday. He might not be winning the championships, but it's a different time. Who right. knows if Earnhardt would have won the championships with those time that time either? And who knows if Jimmy Johnson would have won the championships he won in Earnhardt's time? Right. Probably not, because Jimmy Johnson was a chase guy. Yeah, you know he, that's where he excelled. He excelled right there in the chase. Yeah, exactly. And Kyle Busch, for some reason, his 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 expertise is not the chase. He's done it twice now, right? I think he's got two championships. Yes. I feel like that if they were doing the long term points and didn't have to reset everything. I haven't looked at any stats, but I feel like he would be better off championship wise if he did that. Mm. I could be wrong. I haven't looked at, like I said, I haven't looked at stats. Also, he's coming up on 20 years. He's never won a yeah. Daytona 500. Stop. <laughs> Don't Earnhardt, Earnhardt waited 20 years before he won a Daytona 500. Yes, sir. You know, and I feel like as Kyle Busch's career starts winding down because you know, 18 years in, he's becoming that that grizzly uh, veteran, right? Yeah, he's absolutely he's becoming that person. I don't know how much longer he's going to race, but typically nowadays they stop around 40. Yeah, I don't know how and he's 36. Yeah, he's he's probably not going to be around that much longer as far as racing goes. And you know what? That's probably one of the biggest questions I've gotten personally uh, with people who know me. They'll come up to me, hey, you know, Kyle Busch, he might retire. Who do you have after Kyle Busch? And I'll answer that question right here, right now. That is Ty Gibbs. <laughs> that boy, I'll tell you what, I actually met Ty Gibbs at um, a ARCA race in Minneapolis back in 2019, which is the same year Kyle Busch won his second NASCAR Cup Series championship. He was the most down-to-earth kid i have ever met i think at the time he was 17 maybe 16 i don't know i was actually wearing a doing the favor podcast t-shirt <laughs> and he i walked up to him and he said man i really like that shirt and i was like wow man thank you so much so ty gibbs has been amazing to his fans and, um and, and you know, doing the favor mark too yeah exactly yeah <laughs> obviously he likes him um so yeah, Ty Gibbs, you know, and even now people are even saying that he's got the aggression of Kyle Busch. He's Kyle Busch 2.0, and I'm I'm gonna be honest with you. I think if I was Ty Gibbs, I'd take major um, not not insult. It's not an insult by any stretch of the imagination, but I don't, you know, I don't want to be 
I, if I was Tiger Gibbs, I would mm-hmm. want to be Kyle Busch 2.0. I'd want yeah. to be the first ever Tiger Gibbs. Yeah, I, I, I hate that. I hate that uh, that mark of trying to be like somebody else. You see that a lot in wrestling, yeah. too. We're Full disclosure, we're both big wrestling fans as well. Big wrestling fans. That's actually how we met. We met through the wrestling podcast that we listened to. Yes, sir. Yeah, I always hate that, like uh, Kyle Petty becoming the next Richard Petty. Oh, you know, that killed his career, you know, that that whole because he's he is so completely different than Richard Petty. Yeah, it's not even it's not even funny. Adam Petty might have been the next Richard Petty. I don't know. You know, we'll we'll never, never know about that. But yeah, I hate always hated that moniker of, uh, oh, he's the next this guy. He's the next Mm -hmm. this guy or Dale Earnhardt Jr. is the next Dale Earnhardt, you know, right when it never works out that way. It never. it never does. The only time like, I can remember maybe it working out a little bit was Davy Allison kind of being the next Bobby Allison because he was mm-hmm. he was pretty similar yeah, to his dad. That's that's pretty much the only way I can remember really working out. But you talk about Ty Gibbs and his aggression. <laughs> are we going to mention what happened yeah, a couple we weeks are. ago? <laughs> Heck yeah, we are, man. I'll tell you, man. Um, what was it? It was Noah Gregson um, and was it Harrison Burton? who got into it at Atlanta last year. And the TRD, Toyota Racing Development team, actually, I don't know what they did. They they brought in, like, uh, MMA training for their uh, Toyota <laughs> This drivers. is news to me. You're telling me something I didn't know. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm a big Toyota fan. I actually just bought my 2019 Toyota Tacoma last month, and it's amazing. Um, yeah, so Toyota Development Racing, or Toyota, TRD, after that little scruffle between Noah Gragson and uh, Harrison Burton last year, TRD brought in, like, MMA training for all their uh, developmental drivers. Uh, just in case that as another situation like that happens, the drivers know how to defend themselves. And mostly it's just to make them ensure that they're not going to look like a pansy <laughs> on my TV. So yeah, I'll tell you, I think uh, maybe some J, uh, junior motorsports people, maybe they should look into some kickboxing or, or something because Ty Gibbs landed some haymakers on uh, um, old boy. Okay, uh, let's, let's press the brakes here for a minute. In fairness, I don't know quite what what he could have thrown back because the dude kept his helmet on. So here's the deal. I got a retort to that. Mm-hmm. So if you go back and look at that, you could see Sam Mayer saying, hey, take your helmet off, take your helmet off. Ty Gibbs goes and reaches for his strap on his helmet. He was going to take his helmet off, and then Sam – pushes him then he he pushes him again so (laughs) and then he's like well you know what if you're if you're not smart enough to let me take my helmet off before you push me guess what i'm gonna swing on you and that's what he did and he plowed him my favorite thing about it was when sam Sam mayor was doing an interview afterwards and he says yeah his uh punches were weak or something and while his face is swollen purple and black it's like well i don't think his punches were weak brother because uh ooh, well yikes see he missed the opportunity he should have taken his helmet off and used it as a weapon mm, that's, yeah well <laughs> uh, hey i've seen that before <laughs> yeah, yeah what, you, wasn't it kind of like that it was like that uh in 79 i there's a picture i saw with kale yarbrough with his helmet reared back like he was trying to hit Bobby Allison with it. Yeah. Because Bobby, he left his helmet on. Going from that extreme to 
a non-extreme mm -hmm. at Bristol Dirt this weekend. Coming to the white flag, you had Tyler Reddick going for his very first win ever. Chase mm -hmm. Briscoe, who just got his first win a couple of weeks ago. Chase Briscoe does this crazy bonsai slide job type move that he knew wasn't going to work. Right. Slammed into the side of Tyler Reddick coming off turn four, and they both spin out. Tyler Reddick, yeah. presence of mind, 360, stays in the gas. He's going to win this race. Well, right. that's when Kyle Busch come right around the outside and beat him by a car length. I mean, just barely got there before he did. I mean, yeah. great job by Tyler Reddick to try to get back to it and still finish second, which we'll get into that a little bit. That was your pick for this weekend. Yes, it was. I think the margin of victory was 0 0.33 seconds. Yeah, it, so it, that's three it was a car length. Yeah, it was basically a car length. Yeah, and it, um, it was close. Mm -hmm. And in the pits, we're thinking, oh, man, mm -hmm. Tyler Reddick's about to go off on Chase Briscoe here. Yeah. Because – he had this race mm -hmm. and that was a straight up. I'm not going to use the brakes. I'm going to fly in here as fast as I can spin both of us out kind of thing, trying to win this race. Right. That was what that move was. I know I've had that happen to me on dirt before on the last lap and it broke my mm -hmm. foot because of it. I'll get into that eventually. Yeah. But we're thinking, Oh, it's going to be a big fight on pit road. Right? No, Tyler Reddick takes the microphone and he's like, yeah, it's my fault. I should have been mm -hmm. faster. Yeah. I knew I was messing up at the end of that race. I should have been faster. He should have never had that opportunity. Chase Briscoe walks up to him smiling, goes to shake his hand, says, buddy, I'm sorry. Yeah. Like I, I drove it in too hard. I was trying to win the race. I know I messed you up. I'm sorry. And Tyler's like, no, we're, we're all good, man. We're all good. They, they never raised a voice to each other. They were smiling at each other, shaking each other's hands. Total 180 from what we saw a couple weeks ago with Ty Gibbs yeah. and that whole yeah. situation. And that wasn't even like for a win. That was just like yeah. for second place, just well, that, bumping up the track. I think they were actually racing for the dash for cash. Yeah, yeah, you're probably right. You're probably right. What do you think about the non-reaction at the end of that race? So first off, um, Chase Briscoe, I do not blame him one bit for trying it. I don't either. You know, I don't either. I think he knew he was going to probably just go and door him. That's, you know, going in, no breaks. Uh, I mean, you're you're trying to win a NASCAR Cup Series win, you know, especially and as difficult on Bristol dirt. And Tyler Reddick said he expected it. Yeah. He exactly. knew it was coming. Tyler Reddick, um, if man, I'll tell you, he he's a better man than I am. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm I'm a NASCAR fanatic to a point where I live on, you know, NASCAR video games. So uh, I just recently went back to NASCAR Heat 5. And same little situation happened to me um, on that video game. And it was just a video game. And I was ready to rip someone's head off. Man, if, if <laughs> uh, I don't know, you know, I, I'm glad that it's, you know, good sportsmanship. That's really cool. But I think it would have been a little bit better to, to see a little, you know, anger from Tyler Reddick, who doesn't really get upset very yeah, often. Some emotion. He, he was like a yeah. robot. I mean, he was, all you saw was uh, self-loathing. Yeah. So all if you I saw, was, yeah. If I was his sponsor, you know, and, and I'm not saying like if I was a, if I sponsored someone, I want them to go rip their heads off, you know. Mm, yeah. Um, but man, like, can you at least pretend like you wanted to win this race? Like he just was, a little bit. He was so. I hate it for him the fact that he was so dejected afterwards, and he blamed yeah. himself when I don't really don't think it was all him. But because right. that, like, you could see it. You could see it on the video. For he sure. had a good. 
four or five car length lead for most of the end of that run. And then Chase Briscoe would chase him down, but then he'd mess up. And right. on the last two laps, Chase Briscoe really got back to him. And it could be Chase kind of backing off a little bit, saving something for the mm. end, or it could just be Tyler Reddick doing what he thinks he did, what he says he did. He's overdriving the track. Right. And Tyler Reddick, to his credit, he took responsibility for the fact that Chase Briscoe even got near him. Right. Which blows my mind because you don't ever see anybody look within at one of these things and say, I'm the reason that happened instead of, you know, me messing two or three corners up in a row. And all of a sudden he's on my bumper and I gave him a shot at that, but I'm not calling that out because he shouldn't have wrecked. Tyler Reddick, he went from ARCA trucks, Xfinity, and now he's in cup series and he's been in cup series for what, five seasons? Something like that. Yeah. And he has yet to find victory lane, but I'm he's telling you right so now. So close. He is, this is going to be the year. Tyler Reddick wins a Cup Series race. You heard it here first. Put my stamp of approval, take it to the bank, write it down, underline it twice. Tyler Reddick will win a Cup Series race this year. Yeah, Tyler Reddick is one of those guys that I always go to in DraftKings. Absolutely. (laughs) Because he's always undervalued, but any day he can give you a top five finish. Absolutely. I mean, any any race. It doesn't matter what kind of race. It doesn't matter what track it is. It don't matter anything. Any type of race, he can give you a top five finish. And sometimes he doesn't, but when he does, it makes the the bet worth it. Right. And that was that was my pick to win you and I so that you and I have a a little do did we ever decide on a bet? No, we never decided on a bet. Um uh, I don't want to do that now. I'm losing. (laughs) (laughs) So that was my pick last um last week, which um, I will take a Kyle Busch victory over one of my picks winning any day. Um, it's, you know, sacrificing for the greater of good. Um, <laughs> I have the only win so far of between the both of us and picks. After yes. nine races, I have the only yes. win. I have everything listed out. If you follow us on Twitter, you can look at our picks. Follow us on Twitter at In the Marbles Pod, and you can see our picks every week. Every uh, Sunday before the race, I, I'm running the Twitter account. Ethan's running the Instagram account and at the same name. And you can see our picks every Sunday. I will post them on there. Trying to bring it. Okay, right, right here. This is the latest tweet. Ethan's pick finished second, giving him his sixth top ten through the first nine races. Consistency. Yes, sir. You have six top tens. Yes, sir. Leaving him with an average finish of 10.66. A couple bad races in there. Brings the finish down to 10.66. My pick, still pretty good. Fourth, Kyle Larson. That was my pick. Uh, Looked really good there for a little bit. Got shuffled back a little bit. Came back strong at the end. Finished fourth. That's my fifth top 10 pick. I do have one win. The Mm -hmm. Daytona 500 with a rookie. I'm still mad about that. I mean, that's my claim to fame right there. Right. I picked Austin Cindric to win the Daytona 500, and I'll be dang. He won. And from that point on, you're probably thinking, oh my goodness, he's going to pick every single one of them. Yeah. He knows what he's doing. He's going to win. <laughs> well, yeah. And Psych. then, yeah, then my picks uh, kept going here. First, followed by a 15th and a 36th, then an eighth, a ninth, a third, and a 20th, a 12th, and a fourth. So that 36th, that messed me up. Yeah, I did. <laughs> and my average finish is 12th. So that's through nine races. So that's basically a no, a little less than a third of the way through the season. Fun. We're, we're having fun with that. Oh, I'm having a blast with it, yeah. I don't know of a bet. I don't I haven't thought about a bet. 
and right now I'm two two spots behind you. I really don't want to do a bit. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was. I thought I suggested something like um, loser sends the winner like a gift card to a restaurant or something. I don't know. We could start that next next season though. Um, this is just going to be for bragging rights this year. Um, we'll, we'll figure something out. Maybe we'll do something. Yeah. Maybe we'll do something. Maybe we'll do a reset at halfway, and mm. in the last half of the season, we'll we'll do it from there. Well, that just depends if I'm in. The- yeah, <laughs> I might not want to do that. But who I'm, is your picks going into Talladega? Talladega's funny. So this mm. is the thing. We're going to start doing our picks on Tuesday when we record yeah. a little early because I know I changed mine and you mm-hmm. did too. Yeah. But um, you should have just went with Kyle Bush, man. I know. <laughs> you always go with Kyle Bush. <laughs> I do. Son of a gun. But yeah, we, we will do our picks today. Real quick, though, what's your overall impressions before we get on the picks and Talladega preview? What's your mm. overall impressions on Bristol dirt. So I'm not completely upset with having a dirt race in the NASCAR Cup Series. Do I do I think Bristol's the right track? No. I love Bristol. I love pavement Bristol. It's one of my favorite racetracks, and we're gonna kind of go into our favorite Bristol memories. Um, but I think as a dirt track fan, there are so many amazing racetracks dirt tracks that are all over the United States. Eldora is one that I, just pops out to me. NASCAR went to Eldora with the truck series for what, six, seven years. Mm-hmm. And that was fantastic. SRX came in. There was some heat, you know, there with Tony Stewart and NASCAR. So we don't go there anymore. And I just don't see, like, I, I don't see the point in dumping and, you know, dumping all this Tennessee clay dirt, mud, whatever, you know, is mixed in with that on top of an amazing short track that is Bristol. Take the Brist- take the dirt off of Bristol. Let's take these cup cars to Knoxville, Lucas Oil, uh, Eldora. Hell, come here to Kansas. I got Humboldt Speedway right here <laughs> ready to go, you know. Um, I want Bristol back to what it was the, and not a dirt track. The... Um argument for bristol is that it's already suited for cup like you have the infrastructure there you have the the as far as the seating for the fans the boxes the tv set up the mm-hmm. infield infrastructure you have everything there that you need for bristol that's an argument for bristol dirt i like what they do the entire two weeks before the nascar race on dirt yeah which makes me want to keep it at bristol because I if i had a car and let me tell you, if they do this again, I'm strongly debating on getting a front-wheel drive car and taking it to <laughs> Bristol just so I can say I've raced on Bristol Motor Speedway, right? I've never raced on a NASCAR track. My, oh, my God, yes. My, my long-term goal my entire life was to race a race at Talladega. Mm-hmm. Just one race. Arca, probably. That was probably my only shot of ever doing it. It never happened. It's fine. You know, that's just how it, how it went for me. But to be able to do a Bristol race, man... Like, see, I was even looking at, at one point, the uh, street stock, the Kimmel street stocks back in the day. They mm-hmm. they raced at Rockingham and Bristol and some of these tracks like this. And, man, that looked like so much fun. Right. But, of course, that's a lot more money than taking a front-wheel drive car down there. That two weeks ahead of time, all the dirt track festivities with Hornets and street stocks and late models and modifieds, that makes me want to keep it at Bristol. Because okay. I don't know if it will bring the same appeal to all of those grassroots types 
of classes if it right. was at Knoxville, you know, like because yeah, they, they do things like that all the time. You can always go to Knoxville and run a race. If if you wanted to, you could always go to mm. Knoxville and run a race. You can't always do this at Bristol Dirt. True. You cannot always run your late model in Bristol. You, I, I see what you mean. Um, but I also understand the fact that you don't want to take away a Bristol race right. on asphalt to, you know, to make this dirt race happen. I understand that thought completely. From a grassroots point of view, I would like to keep it on a big track like that, a big, nascar track because the experience of these guys actually going in there and racing in the coliseum right. just incredible and it's something right. i'd love to do oh absolutely to kind of counter counter your argument is um granted last year was the first time nascar cup series raced on bristol dirt mm -hmm. it was not good it, it was wasn't it wasn't. It wasn't. And this year, I did. I was mentioning that. I was going to mention that, but I forgot. This year, they did it well. They it was learned. Amazing. They learned so much from the track last year. Last year, they just straight up, straight banking all the way up. This year, yeah. the prep was so much better. They had progressive banking. These cup cars were going four wide. Yeah. On dirt around the corners and not touching each other. Like you know, yeah. you, you, your normal little bump and rub on dirt because you're 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 loose all the time. You're constantly sliding. Right. It's a controlled slide. Dirt. If you if you ever seen cars, you turn right to go left. Right. Right. Dirt is a controlled. It's controlled chaos. Is what it is. And mm -hmm. it's so much fun to drive. It's so much fun to watch. And it gives you a better appreciation for the drivers actually doing this because if you try it and you realize that you. It's not exactly what you thought it was. When you're out there, you get a much better appreciation for it. For well. sure. But the track prep this week, you can't say enough about it. It was honestly fantastic. The race, the cup race on Bristol Dirt last season was a cluster F. It was. If you know what I mean. It was bad. Um, they even went down to single file restarts, which just was horrendous. This year, this season, even the truck race on dirt was amazing. It was so good. Let's talk about the the heartbreak for uh, Carson Hosfar for a second. Um, sucks for him. I really think he has a lot of talent. Let's go into real quick Bristol memories. We okay. have so many years of uh, looking at Bristol. We're just spout off one little thing real quick because we need to move on to the uh, mm -hmm. Talladega preview coming up. Yeah. One of the things I remember the most about Bristol when I was a kid, one little moment was, I guess it was two moments technically, was the Dale Earnhardt, Terry Labonte saga at Bristol. In 1995, my favorite driver was Rusty Wallace. He got taken out early in that race by Dale Earnhardt. And watching that race back when I was a kid, I counted up Earnhardt probably knocked 20 or 25 people out of the way that day. Yeah. It was in the 20s. Because I counted every single time. I was like, yep, he knocked him out of the way. Yep, he knocked him out of the way. Yep, he caused that crash. And he had uh, fresh tires at the end of that race with a restart with like three or four laps to go. I can't remember how much. And Terry Labonte was leading with old tires. Earnhardt charged through the field and hit Terry Labonte coming off of turn four. Right, He got to him right at the checker flag, hit him off turn four, and Terry Labonte spun into the wall and won the race. Car went into the victory lane, smoke, oil leaking everywhere, smashed up front end. And he says... You know, I'd be more upset if I didn't win. <laughs> yeah. You know? But I think yeah. that was the day Rusty Wallace threw a water bottle at Dale Earnhardt's face. It bounced off the roof and hit him in the face mm -hmm. <laughs> for, <Yep. laughs> for crashing him. <laughs> but then fast forward four years later, Earnhardt knew better than to wait to the last lap. Mm -hmm. Terry Labonte this time had the fresh tires, and he was coming strong for Earnhardt right there at the end. And last lap, turn two, Terry Labonte got by Earnhardt. He's going to win this race. Mm -hmm. Nope. 
Earnhardt said, no, you're not winning this race. And he spun him out. Yeah. Straight up spun him out. Went on, won the race, and Earnhardt got booed louder than Kyle Busch this weekend. Oh, yeah. And that's that famous line. I think he was legit disappointed that he actually wrecked Terry Labonte to win that race. But at the same time, he still cashed a check, right? Yeah, exactly. I don't think he felt yeah. bad at all. Well, like, you could yeah. kind of see it. He, he kind of <laughs> felt bad about it a little bit, I think, in his eyes. Because I think him and Terry are actually friends. Yeah. But... On the racetrack, nobody's friends with Earnhardt. I mean, he he'd wreck his mother. I mean, yeah, he, for sure. If it's going to win a race, but that's where that famous line. I didn't mean to wreck him. I just meant to rattle his cage came from. Oh yeah, those are my biggest memories associated with Bristol. What are some of your favorite memories associated with this track? So, Bristol is always going to be very very special to me. Uh, growing up watching, oh my gosh, you know, 2010 Kyle Busch. Sweeps the weekend, winning mm -hmm. the trucks, Xfinity, and, and Cup Series in the same weekend. Um, but I think the number one memory I have is my very first ever NASCAR Cup Series race I went to was the 2017 Bristol Night Race. I didn't know you'd been to Bristol. Yes, sir. And uh, God, what do you know? Kyle Busch won that race <laughs> and swept the weekend for the second time. But uh, that one's always going to be number one. Um, man, first thing I think of when I think of Bristol, Kurt Busch versus Jimmy Spencer. Yeah, yeah. Mm, that was that was my childhood right there. Oh, it was, <laughs> oh that was so good. Um, Tony Stewart and who was that? Ricky Rudd. Uh, was he driving 28 at the time? Or Tony, was it Kevin Harvick and Greg Biffle? Yeah. I believe that was at Bristol. Kevin um, jumping over a car to get in yeah. Greg Biffle's face in the Xfinity race. I remember that. I think it was actually Tony Stewart and was it Matt Kenseth or Ward Burton? I honestly I don't Matt remember. Kenseth. There's been so many, especially with oh, Tony Stewart. I yeah. remember the Dodge crew <laughs> and the, the Home Depot crew fighting on pit road at some race oh, at yeah. one point. There's yeah. been so much with Tony Stewart. Another oh, one yeah. of my favorites, by the way. Just a fantastic racetrack. Uh, always always going to give you some crazy memories if you were there in person. And if you haven't been to Bristol Motor Speedway, you have to. Just honest to God, you have to. Uh, that is unlike anything else I have ever experienced. I want to go back. I will not go to a Bristol dirt race, um, but I will definitely go to a uh, Bristol night race again. For sure. Segwaying into Talladega. Yes. In the Talladega Museum, right there outside the track, the International mm -hmm. Motorsports Hall of Fame, they have a museum set up. And you can see all sorts of amazing vehicles, history-making vehicles, like Bill Elliott's record-breaking time, the 212-mile-an-hour Talladega lap. Oh, you can wow. see land-speed record vehicles, IndyCar, dirt track, racing, just mm. legends all throughout the entire thing. It is so worth the $12 or $15 admission that it costs to go through and walk that. But one of the vehicles sitting there, well, it's not really a vehicle anymore. It's more like scrap metal. Uh oh Michael Waltrip's Bristol crash. Oh, no way. It is sitting there, sprawled out, pretty much the way it was after he hit the wall. In Are 19, I think it was 1990. Am I correct on that? 90 or 89? I think it was 90. Uh, but he was in the Kool-Aid car. It was a Bush Series race, which is now the Xfinity Series. And he was um, number 30 Kool-Aid car. He <laughs> took the turn a little high. I think he actually got bumped coming out of the corner. And when he did, the car shot straight up in the wall. And at that point, it's still open now. But at that point, it was much worse. There mm -hmm. was a guardrail. Where the because there's no tunnels at Bristol, you come across the racetrack. 
Right. That's how you get to the infield. There was a guardrail that, that had a separate, had a separated segment of wall, concrete wall on either side of it. And he hit the edge right at the, like the perfect spot on his right front of that car, mm-hmm. right, right on the edge of the concrete. And the car disintegrated. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't even, it didn't even look like a violent hit. He just, he hit the, he hit the wall at that angle and the car just flattened. It's flattened. It, I'm uh, not describing it right. Go on YouTube, people. Look up Michael Waltrip, Bristol, and it'll pop up. This car uh, just flattens out. And he he's laying there in the car, and they lift up a piece of sheet metal, and they say, oh, well, there he is. And he's fine. He, everybody thought he was dead because yeah, they'd never seen he, a car do that. It was probably the most disgusting um, wreck I've ever seen, right up there with Texas Motor Speedway with Michael McDowell. Mm-hmm. Um, but if, correct me if I'm wrong. He, um, he hit the wall. And then he got hit again from an oncoming race car. He he did not. There's another oh, wreck that happened just like that in practice for the Bush Series. Oh, uh, Mike okay. Harmon was the guy that that happened to. Okay. Yeah, um, he was yeah. in the number two. I think the two AC, Del- AC Delco car hit him. I think this was like a black and silver 41, I think is what Mike Harmon was driving. Okay. Yeah. But if you look, you can look that up on YouTube too. It's the same crash that Michael Waltrip had, only magnified by another car coming and hitting him and missing the driver, the yeah. open, exposed driver by inches. Yeah. Michael Walter driving that Kool-Aid car, hitting the wall. He was just trying to break through the wall and say, oh, yeah, wait. <laughs> what's, what is it? Oh, yeah. No, oh, you, yeah, you, you had it right. Oh, yeah. Is it? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I was going to do that. Macho good. Man. Ooh, yeah. It's, uh, it's the same thing. Kool-Aid guy, Macho Man. They, they have the same thing. <laughs> but if you go to Talladega, you will see that car. And it's sprawled out, oh. laying there exactly the way it was on the racetrack. It's fascinating. Big ropes around it saying, don't touch. Because obviously oh, it's man. all shattered, you know, jagged sheet metal. Yeah. Right. So Talladega this weekend. This is my track. All right. right. The 25th anniversary of one of probably my favorite driver of all time, Davey Allison's win, his first win, rookie year, 1987. And Ethan, we have a shirt coming out pretty mm. soon. I just, we do. I just uploaded it to whatamaneuver.net. Yes, our shirt mm. is going to be on whatamaneuver.net, uh, labeled as In the Marbles. Oof. And the design is all over our social media, Twitter, mm-hmm. Instagram, all this. And, you know, it's pretty much exactly what it's going to be, what the design is. It's just going to be on a shirt. Yeah. And the car that we designed for the shirt is a Davy Allison throwback paint job. The number itself is my personal race car number. We just decided that, that would be neat just to put in there. Mm-hmm. But the paint job itself, that white, gold, red, and black, Texaco Havilland style paint job is the paint job that Davy Allison ran his rookie year. Yes, and did. this being the 25th anniversary this weekend, actually being the 25th anniversary of his first win, Clint Boyer is actually going to be driving. I think it's that exact car. Yes. He's going to be taking that car around for pace laps before yes, the race is. And man, what a sight that would be to see that car on the track again. Oh yeah, with especially with Dale Jr. in the booth uh, calling the race, so he'll be, you know, he'll be on the in the commentary booth there with Clint Boyer doing his parade laps in that race car, and that's just, uh, you know, that's a little bit before my time. I don't mm-hmm. remember Bobby or or Davy Allison. Um, I don't I remember mean, Bobby. 
I don't remember Bobby. I really remember getting the racing in the early nineties, like maybe 91, 92, mm -hmm. uh, as far as NASCAR goes. But the fact that Davey was a, an Alabama boy, right? Oh yeah. Homegrown. Oh, sure. And he was legit probably going to be the one to take championships away from, from Jeff Gordon when he comes. Oh yeah. Because oh, this absolutely. guy was outstanding. And if, if you know anything about the sport, you know, 93 was an awful year for NASCAR. The reigning champion, Alan Kowicki, died in a plane crash going into Bristol. Mm -hmm. And later uh, that June, I believe it was June or July, just a couple of weeks away from, I think it was Pocono that weekend. But going into the Talladega race, a couple of weeks away from the Talladega race, Davey Allison died in a helicopter crash at Talladega Motor Speedway. He was landing his helicopter, had Red Farmer, uh, a local legend in dirt track racing in Alabama. He had him in the in the uh, cockpit with him, and mm -hmm. something happened with the engine of the helicopter, and it went down, and Davey died yeah. right there at the helicopter pad in, <clears throat> inside Talladega Super Speedway because they were watching Neil Bonnet test mm -hmm. for an upcoming return. Another friend of the, uh, the family, a big... Al, you wanted me to explain the Alabama gang uh, before yeah. when we were talking about this. Um, yeah. The Alabama gang is a uh, group of racers, all from Alabama. Uh, Donnie Allison, Bobby Allison, their brothers. Davey Allison, Bobby Allison's son. Neil Bonnet, friend of all of those guys. Not related, but big, big friend to all of them. And Red Farmer didn't really run a lot of cup, but he ran a lot of ARCA and local dirt track legend. He raced with all those guys all over the place because all those guys raced Alabama. They mm -hmm. raced all these tracks like Montgomery and Birmingham and Five Flags, you know, Pensacola, which is on the Alabama line pretty much, Mobile. They raced all these all these places, not right. on top of the Cup Series stuff they did. And it's such a, a mystique around that group because it seemed like every single one of them almost has something happened with him except Donnie. Right. Like Donnie never had anything happen with him, but dang Bobby Allison, he hit the wall at Pocono and lost like his memory, like massive head trauma. I think he's got yeah. a lot of it back now, but there's still some fuzzy things he doesn't have back. And I don't think he has the Daytona 500 win with Davey running second back. I could be wrong about that, but I thought I heard him say that he doesn't have that memory, which is awful. I've I believe you're right. Yeah. Which is awful because that had to be the highlight of that family's whole life. Oh, for sure. Bobby Allison winning a Daytona 500 and Davey Allison, his son, running second. That's oh. that's incredible. That happened in uh, 1988. But that was the year that uh, that was the year that Bobby got hurt in 88. Yeah. And I think it was 90 when Neil Bonnet got hurt. And I think that was at Darlington. Mm -hmm. I could be wrong about that, but I'm pretty sure that was at Darlington. Same kind of thing. Massive head injury. Yeah. But he was going to make a return in 93. So that was his debut was Talladega in July in 1993. And that race is famous because he went flipping upside down and landing in the grandstands just about mm -hmm. with that black 31 car. Yeah. <laughs> and he joined up. He actually joined the booth after that because he was a commentator when he came back instead of a race car driver. And he actually joined the booth after that. So that was really funny Then he come back and he was like, yeah, I figured it was a little safer up here with you guys. <laughs> yeah. But he was scheduled to return in 1994, and he wound up dying in a practice crash at Daytona 94. Yep. And Davey, of course, died in a helicopter crash. It's just the Alabama gang was so good. They had so many amazing drivers and personalities with them <laughs> and such a tight-knit family. And right. yeah. it's a mystique. It really is. The mystique of them, it's, it's legend. It's, yeah. You still hear about it. 
today, the Alabama gang. There is no oh, Alabama yeah. gang now in, in NASCAR. I don't, there's, there's, I don't, I don't even know of anybody off the top of my head that's from Alabama. Yeah. The term, um, the Alabama gang is actually, I believe, painted on the back straightaway wall of Talladega. Mm-hmm. And you kind of, you touched on it. Um, the Alabama gang was just like a nickname for a group of NASCAR drivers uh, who, set up a shop and operated it out of uh uh alabama pretty much near birmingham but in 1973 jimmy means also joined the alabama gang yeah there's been there's a couple that didn't quite have the success you know like jimmy means is not a household name oh yeah Yeah. (laughs) allison bonnet yeah most people will know or they've heard of those people, but oh, for sure, yeah. Jimmy Means, yeah, yeah. Like I know, there's been a like I think uh, at one point towards the end, Hut Strickland, uh, yeah, also Strickland because, too. but again, that's not really a, a big household name. So yeah, when true. most people talk about the Alabama game, they really mean the three Allisons and Neil Bonnet, and maybe some of them throw Red Farmer in there just because mm-hmm. he's so influential with it all. But really, that's yeah. the big ones. And uh, I know for a long time, I had a dang license plate on the back of my car. That was an Alabama gang license plate because they offered that here. Of course you did. Of course I did. <laughs> yes, Dude, of course. I'm an Allison Mark. Yeah. I Heck yeah. I love me some Davy Allison stuff. One of, the few die, one of the few 124 scale die casts I actually have, two of them are Davy Allison. One is his 92 Daytona 500 car oh and then one is a dirt late model with his uh black black and white paint job oh are you kidding it's, it's they're fabulous cars i, I love oh, wow them. send me a picture of those <laughs> i will i will that's uh that's awesome um oh, that's that's so freaking cool <laughs> i love that i love talladega um speaking of talladega what who is your pick to win talladega this weekend see i'm trying to put that off because i really don't know <laughs> talladega is one of those you 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 put a bunch of names in a hat and draw yeah and then you're like there's no way they can win and then they end yeah. up winning for example bubba wallace getting his first ever nascar cup series uh win at talladega last fall mm-hmm. um you know i love this because Talladega is such a diverse uh, racetrack that, you know, legitimately anybody could win this race. They could. Um, You know, if if you're asking me who my pick is, you know, Brad Kozlowski comes to mind. Denny Hamlin comes to mind. Um, And I feel like either one of those two could win. But I'm going to – my pick, I'm going to go with someone who has experience, who has won before – uh, I'm not saying that neither one of those two have. I believe they both have uh, in the past. I'm going to go with Ryan Blaney. That's a good pick. Yes, he's, sir. He's one of those guys that's wild. He, he will, is good. He will do anything. Um, I know I have a, a bunch of favorites that I always pick. In, uh, I do the DraftKings thing where mm-hmm. you have like a uh, – like every driver is worth so much money and you have a fantasy lineup that you have to fill out and you have a $50,000 cap, but yeah. you have to pick six drivers out of it. And that means you can't pick all the good people. You have to pick some poor, you know, poor people. That's the wrong phrase. <laughs> you have to pick some people that cost less money, but aren't as capable of winning races as the top guys are. So drivers that are competing in underdeveloped race equipment yeah and some people are undervalued 
Yeah, like for sure. Michael McDowell is undervalued. Oh, for sure. Daytona He's, 500 winner. I know. And he oh. always, always, but at least half the time you pick him, he's a solid top 15. Yes, he is. Yeah, and he was in the top five in exa- Bristol Dirt. Exactly. And I didn't pick him, of course. <laughs> yeah. So you have people like Michael McDowell, Ricky Stenhouse, who's wild as well. Mm-hmm. Probably the most wild person. If you want to find where the action is at Talladega, look up where Ricky Stenhouse is and just follow that little group. No joke. <laughs> He's going to be the one that ends up wrecking half the field or mm-hmm. being the hero and wins the race. So far, it's been just wrecking half the field. Oh, yeah. But he's going to be the one to watch. He's going to be the wild one. He's another one I like to pick on DraftKings at some of these types of racetracks. I, Talladega is about the only one I like to pick Bubba Wallace in because he's mm-hmm. only this is the only track that he's really consistently good at because most of the time he's just mid-pack. Mm-hmm. He's just yeah. in the 20s. And Talladega is one of those rare things where some drivers really navigate themselves around Talladega and the draft a lot better than other drivers do. For sure. And that's their bread and butter. Earnhardt did everything well, but he was a master at Talladega. Junior Mm -hmm. was a master at Talladega. Davey Allison was a master at Talladega. These guys, they knew, they, they did other things well, but these guys knew exactly what to do here at this track. And funny fact, Earnhardt, was talking to somebody one time about seeing the air because that was his famous thing. You can see the air at Talladega and Daytona. Yeah. Just like, like, no, I can't see the air. And then somebody mentions, like, and one of the drivers next to him mentions, it's like, well, you can sure feel it pretty good on that open face helmet, though, can't you? And he just smiled at him. Yeah. <laughs> you know, his, his trick was now that open face helmet, he could feel the air pressure around him. He knew mm-hmm. where to go because he could feel all that. But um, that's a funny little side story trying yeah. to not take, make a pick so far. Uh, this is the crapshoot race, man. It it really is, honestly. You know what? I'm gonna pick Bubba Wallace. Okay. Well, I'm gonna be that, out there. I'm gonna pick wow. Bubba Wallace. Yes. Okay. So that's your final answer, right? My final answer will be Bubba Wallace. All right. Thank goodness, because I, I'm going to. Yeah, uh, you're gonna demolish win. you. You're gonna win, but you never know. <laughs> Ryan Blaney's going to be up front most of the race. It'll be a big one. Bubba Wallace will be hanging in the back, and then towards the end, he'll be up there. That is true. That's a very good possibility. That's strategy, man. Strategy. When it comes to Talladega, um, what what are you expecting to to see this weekend? Mm, well, with the new car, it's kind of hard to really you know, expect anything. Like right. Daytona was pretty good as far as the race racing was and the closing rates and stuff. But I don't, are they changing anything to the cars or is it pretty much going to be the way I haven't heard any rule changes? I haven't heard anything. I think it's going to be the same setups as Daytona. Yeah, that's what I've heard too. So I think the racing is going to be pretty good. It's going to be wilder than Daytona. Daytona, mm-hmm. if if you, you go into NASCAR and you look at Daytona and Talladega, they're the same track, right? They look the same. Right. Track. They're the big two and a half mile track. No, they're not the same track. At completely all. different <laughs> daytona is shorter mm. which means the turns have a tighter radius to them yes which means the front straightaway has a tighter radius to it which means handling is way more important at daytona because yes. you're putting way more stress on your car around the corners and you're right you're closer to the edge of out of control at daytona than you're at Talladega. i've driven on Talladega super speedway i i took one of those uh dale jarrett nascar experiences are you kidding me yeah i got a uh it was like oh nine i think um 
I got that as a gift one Christmas and it was a February thing. And I got to oh. drive uh, a car with an instructor next to me, but he's not controlling anything. He's just telling me to speed up or slow down. So I got to drive. Uh, I think we'd maxed out, right? It just, it wasn't because the car couldn't do it. It's because they told me how fast to go. Right. It maxed out at 172. Oh my lap. God. It didn't feel it. It didn't feel it at all. The, 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 the neatest thing was they told us to stay one line off the bottom, right? So you okay. have the inside line and you have the, uh, the white, the white lines, uh, separating each lane. We yeah. were on the, uh, second lane from the bottom. Oh man. And you moved up one line off the wall on the straightaways and you come down and up, come down and up as you went. I only did like three laps, but the one thing I wasn't expecting because it was easy to drive. Yeah. It's a piece of cake to drive. There's no stress. There's no strain on anything. The one thing I wasn't expecting was that when you went down the corner, mm -hmm. it planted you in the seat. Did it? it? Oh man. It wasn't like to the right because the banking oh. is so high. It wasn't like yeah. it's not like you take a corner and you're leaning way to the right on the corner, you know, like it like the centripetal force is moving you over to the right of the car. Yeah. No, the banking is so high, it plants you straight down in the seat. Oh. It's it's amazing, and to think that they do that twenty mile an hour faster than what I was doing every single lap while racing other people around. I wish I had a chance to do that. Yeah, I know. Like one big thing, obviously, with Daytona and Talladega is drafting. Mm -hmm. And now, you know, a lot of listeners, if they don't know really the concept of drafting, um, what I always tell people is go in your car down the highway at 65, 75, whatever it is, roll down your window, stick your hand out the window. You're going to feel a lot of pressure, obviously. Uh, it's going to be kind of pulling your hand back. Now take that same hand and put it behind your mirror. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's pretty much the concept of drafting. It makes the second car, third car, fourth car in that individual line way faster so we can you can push the first car, push the leader, push people through the pack to get to the front of the field. So I think we're going to see a lot of, well, we're not going to see tandem drafting, obviously, but I think we're going to see a lot of, obviously, you, you said it, uh, pack racing, which could also be disastrous if you're the car being pushed. Um, could <laughs> It could make you a hero. It can make you a zero. Um, could end your day really, really fast, causing what 40 cars mm -hmm. to wreck because they're so close together running so so fast man it's uh Talaga is unreal and it's going to be an amazing race uh, i'm very excited for it i'm excited to see kyle bush win again um oh it's going to be so much fun i cannot wait kyle bush uh i think the whole toyota team's all the Toyota teams will be really fun to watch. I think they're going to mm -hmm. be really good. The four teams really seem like they have something going on though. Yeah. Uh, maybe, maybe, maybe it's starting to catch up with them a little bit uh, because it does seem like that more now, as we're going through the season, the Toyotas are starting to come through a little bit. The Chevys are starting oh, yeah. to come through because there for a little bit, the Fords were good. Yeah. It seemed like with this new car, the Fords just took off. Now it's starting to kind of come back. Mm -hmm. And um, this past weekend was fun seeing all the different faces up front uh, with the dirt experience. This weekend will be fun seeing all the different faces up front with the drafting experience. Then we'll get back into normal NASCAR where the best teams always seem to come out on top. Yes, sir. That's AKA Kyle Bush. So I think so. we're going to end it here. 
we're going to be talking about um, Talladega's race next week and the, mm-hmm. the ending of it and what all went down. They're going to be previewing what's coming up next. I want to give a quick shout out to a couple of shows that uh, I listen to that have influenced me, that uh, some friends of mine as well. Through the podcasting circle, I'd like to uh, first shout out Breaker and Bane's Power Hour. Bane from that show did our intro music, like we said at the beginning. Breaker, mm-hmm. great guy. I wish I could have uh, met them at uh, the different WrestleManias that we were planning on going to, but things with COVID and then the recent WrestleMania, things just didn't work out. Yeah. Hopefully one day soon, uh, I'll get to meet these guys. Fully Postable Podcasts, I I listen to that religiously. That's that's my that's my show as far as wrestling figures go. Oh, yeah. Great guys. Uh, I'm texting Jeff all the time good friends and doing the favor they are they're kind of on a hiatus right now they're not Mm -hmm. really doing the same type of podcast they're doing but they've been doing a lot of watch-alongs lately and those two uh eric and barry are really good 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 guys too friends of mine and all these guys to me have been pretty influential into actually getting going with this Um, oh absolutely to me uh first show we're getting our getting our feet wet we're going to get better yeah. and better and better at this. We know we're kind of all over the place a little bit, but you know what? It's, it's a loose podcast. I th- always, me, me personally, I always find that the most entertaining podcasts are the ones where people are talking in a not so structured format mm, and yeah. they have good chemistry. And yeah, I think we got that. Here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think we got that here. Is there anybody you want to shout out before we get out of here? Well, you pretty much nailed him. Um, Breaker and Bane's Power Hour. Uh, Brian Breaker has a side project. Uh, you know it's fake, right? Where he goes deep, in-depth conversations with people inside the pro wrestling world, whether it's fans, uh, independent pro wrestlers, referees, it doesn't matter. Uh, even other podcasters. Um, I was actually uh, thankful enough to be on that episode. I actually went down yeah. to... I was their location <laughs> and uh, met them and and was on Breaker and Brains Power Hour uh, on an episode of You Know It's Fake Right. Just the two coolest guys. Uh, you mentioned Fully Posable, the wrestling figure podcast with Jeff and Scott. Um, Jeff is one of my best friends. The editor of that show, Celeste, uh, I literally actually just sent her a snapchat um while we were recording i talked to her every day <laughs> scott same way i adore that entire cast of characters over there uh Brit, um doing the favor yeah barry frost is one of the most funniest most down-to-earth humble guys along with eric uh just you can't get much better than that <clears throat> also drew vinsel and his wife they have a podcast uh tales from the estate um, really fun show, just conversations, just BSing, husband and wife, an amazing show. So, yeah, definitely check out our uh, podcast drafting teammates. <laughs> that's an interesting concept to do a uh, podcast with your wife. Oh, that's, she's so funny. Too. That's an interesting concept. I don't even know what me and my wife would talk about on the show. <laughs> right. It would be it would be wild. I wonder what. Well, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna hit her up on that. I'm gonna see what's going on with that. See if see yeah. if there's something that can happen with that because that's that's Heck interesting. yeah, that's interesting. Well, we've been recording for a while. I believe it's time to get out of here, man. Yes, sir. And keep an ear out for episode two because we will have a giveaway. Awesome, awesome deal, yes, sir. And uh, 
when the what a maneuver shirt becomes available i will post a link to it on twitter ethan will post a link to it on instagram and uh, yes. i'll also put it on facebook so everybody will know about it and as this show comes out you can definitely catch us on podbean iHeartRadio, soon to be spotify soon to be itunes and google as these shows start making their way to the different formats we'll link them and you'll be able to listen to them anywhere you want to so ethan we'll talk next week man absolutely 